you know, you gotta, you, you're spoiled for choice here. Yeah. I know. I, I know. I, I see that. After I sing the one that I've chosen, I want to know what you all <laughs> thought I was going to pick. Okay. I know. I know what you're going to say. I have a strong do. suspicion about what it's going to be. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to pick, I'm going to sing the one that was my favorite performance in the film. Okay. Okay. If you were Maybe worried about where I went or who I saw or what club I went to with my homies, baby, don't worry, you know that you got me. I'm dancing. Yeah. <laughs> you can't see me, but I'm dancing. We can see you. It's a good dance. <laughs> Thank you. What did you I think was I was so going to say? I surprised it wasn't Jesus Walks. Yeah, same. I was just like, <laughs> obviously, Adam's going to do Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I am a fan of Mr. Kanye West, who has never done anything controversial. Um, what? <laughs> Don't Google that. Don't look that up. Listen, I haven't been on the internet in like five years. I assume uh, everyone well, this, loves Kanye still. Oh, this is yes. 2005 Kanye, so... It's like yeah, not, I don't I think at the, the time he was Kanye. non-controversial though. Jesus Walks wasn't like the song that everyone right. thought was a great idea. But I, you know, but I, <laughs> like whatever. I saw But it. Adam said he was not controversial. Mm. I think that's always been his thing. Oh yeah. Yeah, but before he was controversial, but like on the right side and right In a meaning more progressive like way. progressive mm. side, not right wing yeah. side. Uh, now yeah. he is controversial on the right side, but we're talking uh, far right. <laughs> yeah. In case any oh, Trump yes. supporters on have been right listening, side. let's. We're just. I'm gonna let you know. This is a pretty left leaning group of friends, I believe. Left yeah. something. I don't know. But we we don't support Donald <laughs> Trump. I hope we don't lose our follower base. Base. <laughs> Sorry. This is. Just I, a, I would love to talk to the Trump supporters that are listening. To this. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys. You suck. I just love the village, and you guys did such a great job. <laughs> now you're dragging politics into it. Yeah. <laughs> no. Make yeah. What the was the episode? Great that... again. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh god. Sorry. Uh, what uh, is what is this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to say first off, great way starting this show. Um, <laughs> I think we've weeded out all the people we don't want to listen, so that's fine. I, I think don't that's even good. think we've yeah. weeded in the people we do want to listen. I don't think you can weed in anything. Okay, well, you know what I mean. <laughs> if you're a weed, you can. <laughs> we need more weeds listening to this podcast. I was checking the stats. We have none. Yeah. We literally have zero. We've lost our two base, two biggest elements of our base, Trump supporters and weeds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. This, this is, is it whack, though, right? Yeah, it is. The, the, I, the I podcast? agree. Is it I think so. I'm is in the right weeds? call, right, guys? <laughs> is it weeds? No. That's our spin-off what show. A... I'm down for we that. Just a gardening show? We just watch an episode of a sitcom and ask, is this the show Weeds? It's not. <laughs> and it never is. And guess what? We'd be doing ourselves a favor. It's not a good show. I watched it like isn't? seven seasons or something and was like, seven wait, I don't like you... this. <laughs> I gave up oh. after one. God. So Maybe seven is an exaggeration. I watched most of it. And then in the last season, I was like, I don't want to. Sorry, before we talk about this podcast, what is that show about? I've seen like the the cover photo where she's like, 
this or like, whatever. It's like bad breaking bad. Well, it's um, it's the same <laughs> creator as Orange is oh, New like Black, that. and it's about uh, like a suburban, um, like mom slash widow who starts selling weed to like make money for her family, but. Uh, she, but she goes too hard. Sort of. And gets yeah. caught up in it's, the It's the way it's way scene. lighter than Breaking Bad, which isn't a bad oh, thing, okay. but I just didn't think it was very funny. No. That I, sounds pretty good. And like if I'm all for a, like yeah. I'm all for like complicated female character, but like she's like I hate the, the lead character so much. She's a terrible <laughs> person and not in like a fun way. You just sort of like wait, why am I rooting for you anymore? Anyways. Yeah. That's not what we're talking about today, is this it? This is not is it weeds. <laughs> this is is it wet. Yes. That's that's true. But thank you for telling me. I was actually curious about that show. <laughs> I used to see billboards in the subway. Anyways. Back when we were um, able to go in the subway. And now I don't see any billboards. Side tracks on side tracks on side tracks. What did we watch this week? Oh, wow. Well, okay. Um, so I just want to say before we start, uh, la- at the end of last episode, we listed like eight, nine, ten films we might talk about on the next episode. <laughs> and we picked none of them. <laughs> what a great that, discussion. It's a great bit. <laughs> it's like ten minutes that now does not matter at all. Although some of those episodes might happen. We'll probably future. get to some of I'm those gonna, after. I'm I mean, people the, are passionate about them. Okay. Well, uh, this is a podcast called Is It Whack? We've already mentioned that. We're in the middle of a, oh, what is Is It Whack? Is It Whack is a podcast where we talk about movies, debate their whackness. Whack means a lot of things, you know, good, bad, uh, you know, weird, uh, not weird, uh, whatever, whatever. You get it. Uh, and we're in the midst of a mini series <laughs> called The Whack Pack, where we're trying to assemble a team by talking about movies in which teams are assembled. We're going to take mm-hmm. one person from each of those movies and build our super team of teams. Is that an f- accurate way to describe what we're doing? Sure. Yes. I think so. I'm not going to debate no. you about Hannah's it. Hannah's shaking her head and silent right Yeah, now. Hannah's yeah, mute. Can, you can't hear me? So none of you can hear. I can't hear Hannah. Hello? No. Oh, we yeah, got hey, you. I can hear you now. Can you hear me now? Yeah. yeah. We got okay. you. Um, and we're back. Why don't Anna was about to introduce herself? Oh, well, I was gonna say, what if we all introduced ourselves um, with the the our, the act we would have most of liked to see to see? <laughs> Seem to be losing from the confidence movie. In <laughs> yeah, I am. Who's you the don't have to do that idea if you don't watch. It. Okay, but if you want to say who you would have wanted to see the most, you should. Um. Okay. Well, Great idea. Oh, thank you. I guess I came up with it a little late. Um, <laughs> we're at the start of the podcast. We're starting, <laughs> we're starting the intros right now. <laughs> um, my name is Hannah. Um, I think I probably would have wanted to see the Fugees and Lauren Hill the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, yeah. Hi. <laughs> hey, Hannah. Oh my, yeah. Hi. Um, I sorry. I already introduced myself. I'm Funky, but I would have liked to see the marching band perform with Kanye West. That was actually oh, wild. yeah, yeah that, that was, was so sick. I was like, what? They're synced up and everything. It was really great performance to watch. 
Um, should I go? Uh, 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 sure. Yeah, go ahead. My name is Seb. Uh, I watch a lot of action movies with uh, Common and the artist form we know as Most Deaf around this time, and like mm. I worshipped them as a kid, and then I got to know more their music in high school. So that would be them. Also, yes, in Bay. Seb is now loves Be Kind Rewind. Yes, by this director. Really? Yes, yeah, Michelle Gondry. Yes. I didn't know that. That's awesome. He also did Eternal Sunshine. Really? Yeah. Isn't that weird? <laughs> Whoa. I Whoa, you've just opened my mind. Okay. Uh, my name is Adam. Uh, yeah, I mean, Yasin Bey, one of my all-time favorite artists. Same with Kanye West. Um so I don't know. It'd be between one of those, but I like pretty much all the artists that performed. So I've been happy to see anyone. I guess I'll say Kanye, but I've also seen him perform. So Yasin Bay, but nice. it's like making me choose between so many of my favorite artists. <laughs> as as Wyclef says in the movie, she already said scholarships. Pick your own thing. <laughs> Pick your own artist. Okay, then I guess The Roots. I feel like The Roots would put on an amazing show. And I've never got to see The yeah. Roots, but I've always loved them. Um, my friend Saba, friend of the pod, been on the pod. Been on the pod. Yes, he has. Our first seen, ever guest. Yeah, has seen The Roots perform and told me that it was a great show. And they told me that when they saw me wearing a sweater I have of The Roots, um, in which I created the perfect joke, but actually I'm not going to tell it because I feel like it only let's, works if you actually see the sweater. Let's hear the joke. I would say not even that. <laughs> Please paint us a picture. What is the What does the sweater look like? Uh, so it's a it's like a Christmas sweater, and it's got all the members of the Roots on it. And whenever anyone comments on it, they go, "Oh, cool Roots sweater." And I say, "Yeah, it's got everyone in the Roots: Questlove, Black Thought, and all the other guys." <laughs> <laughs> Although in this in this movie they actually all get introductions. Everyone else gets to yeah, be part they, of the band too. Cool Wait, what is that? What is that joke? Why is that specific to your sweater? Just because there's a picture of them on it? <laughs> I feel like it works visually if I'm like pointing to them on the sweater. But, is, but, but okay, I mean, yeah, I thought the it was joke is be just related to the fact that it was a Christmas sweater. Oh no, that's it's just also a Christmas sweater for some reason. Yeah, I don't think it needs a sweater. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well. You know, <laughs> you could just I lost confidence in the joke when the I roots. mentioned it, so I guess I was trying to find a way to get out of it. Uh, <laughs> I liked it this time. It was Thanks. good, though. I think it's good. It's a good one. I feel like it's true. You know, everyone knows Questlove and Blackthought, but no one knows anyone else in the roots. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite moments in the movie is uh, someone else is performing, and then there's a focus shift, and you realize Questlove is playing drums for them. And it's like, oh, they were all kind of on stage whenever. And it's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Seemed like they were jumping around. Um, I feel like that's the same effect as the Black Eyed Peas. Like, I don't know those other guys. Um, <laughs> you don't like Apple the app? app and Taboo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or do you mean Fergie and Will I Am? You only like I, I do not mean Fergie and Will I Am. It's honestly kind of the same with the Fugees. I mean, everyone knows Wyclef. Everyone knows Lauren Hill. What's yeah, the third guy's know. name? I don't know. <laughs> okay, I feel bad. It's kind of the same with the Beatles, right? Like, everyone knows Ringo. Everyone knows George Harrison. What are the other guys' names? Your mom. And I your wish dad. my mom was in the Beatles. I wish my dad was in the Beatles. 
Um, <laughs> Adam just had... got owned Pros. on Pros. Pros Michel. Sorry? Pros Michel. Maybe I'm pronouncing Oh, it, I thought you but... said Cosby Show. No. Okay. Pros. Though there is a good Cosby Show joke in this movie. Yeah, we're talking about the Huxtables. Yeah. Yeah, and he's yelling at the rich-looking houses. <laughs> had any of you seen this movie before? What's your relationship? No. I'd never even no. heard of it. Really? Yeah. I would see it in Blockbuster all the time. And I would go, what's that? And my dad would go, that's a documentary. And I'd go, no thanks. <laughs> and then he'd throw it on the ground and storm yeah. out. Are you against docs? I guess as a kid. Oh, what kid isn't against Ooh. docs? I've always loved Ooh, docs. Everyone. I hated docs. Dumentaries and ters. Doctors. <laughs> Why would you hate doctors? When I was a kid? Because it meant... Yeah. Because I was like, Scary. oh, I got to go to the doctor. Oh. My doctor had really soft hands, so I kind of liked seeing the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> what? Thank you. What? <laughs> Thank you for letting me down. <laughs> How was that weird? I don't know. It's just like... <laughs> I would have to go. It's a little weird. I feel like if someone else said it, I'd be weirded out. <laughs> and Thank I don't you? think everyone's like afraid of their doctor's hard hands. Like that's why they don't want to go. Also, shouldn't your doctor be wearing gloves? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well. Yeah. I guess it. De- yeah. I don't know. I'm not gonna think about that. Can I talk about Dave Chappelle's block party? Because I love this film, okay? And I have a lot yes. that I want to say about it. Yes. And I, I first want to start off by talking about my relationship to the film. Oh, it's um, all about you. Sorry. Uh, okay. Well, up. if someone else wants up. to talk about no, their sorry, relationship, I'll shut up. please, Adam, share your part. Um. So I, I first watched it in uh, I'd say probably like grade eight, uh, or early high school. I don't know. Sometime around there. And I had seen The Chappelle Show, which I loved. Uh, one of my favorite TV shows. And I feel like it's hard to t- like introduce my relationship with this movie without talking about The Chappelle Show. So I ask if I can talk about it for a couple minutes. Should we put you on the clock? Of course. Sure, if you, want, if you want to set a timer. How long are you going to talk Dude, about this? I want to do two minutes because I want you to have the full freedom and we won't interrupt you. Okay. Mm. Okay, I mean, you can interrupt me if you want. I'll try no. not to. I don't. It's hard to sum up like all my all the. How do you sum up the Chappelle Show in two minutes? It's one of the best shows of all time. But I will try. Have you started the clock? Uh, yes. I'll start out just my particular relationship to it, um, because I feel like I it's I can't speak for the entire cultural importance of the Chappelle Show, but for me personally, I, I I've always been like struck by i guess the singular perspective of the show it really feels like a stream of ideas directly from the mind of mr dave Chappelle. and obviously they have a team of writers neil brennan close collaborator co-creator of the show but i'd say more than any other sketch comedy show i've ever seen or any even like star comedy vehicle or drama vehicle for that matter it feels like this is a show directly from the mind of its creator and the good and the bad that i suppose comes from that um, because it's very Chappelle and specifically his mind, it means that it takes on, you know, race, being a black man in America, American culture in general, were very fresh and nuanced and specific at the time. And some of his thoughts on, 
you know, gender and sexuality less so. But that's kind of what I expect from a show that is so singular. You get those good takes, you get those bad takes. It really feels like it's something specifically from this guy's mind. And the other thing that I would say was so impactful just in, in, in terms of me um, was that when I was a, a preteen little white boy, most of the movies, <laughs> most of the movies or TV, uh, I would say that I'd seen at that point that had, you know, quote unquote, been about race, which is a stupid thing to say because I think everything consciously or subconsciously is about race. But I'm using seconds. the short, what, 20 seconds? Okay, well, let me try to, yeah. I'm using that shorthand to try and just get to this point. Most of the media and TV that I would see that was quote unquote about race was kind of about that capital R racism, you know, these grand displays of like violence and usually framed as a, a thing of the past, which allows the viewer to distance themselves from it. But Chappelle- uh, That's a timer, <laughs> finish your thought. Okay, okay, Chappelle never did anything like that. I always found his comedy more confronting, more present, which made it funny. It, it made racism funny, which is kind of a weird thing to say, but uh, it made the nuanced conversations that he brings to the film more accessible and more present. And it's not any, I'm, it's still the same sentence. It's still the same sentence. I'm still going off on the same <laughs> Run sentence. Run odd sentence. It's not any artist's job. Thomas entering the double digits. It's not any artist's <laughs> job to be an educator. And I don't think that Chappelle's show is like, you know, it doesn't set out to be that. It's a comedy program. But I certainly learned a lot from it growing up. And I always thought it was hilarious. And I always admired Chappelle. And as he's grown to be kind of this old man who says some, you know, transphobic stuff in his specials and has a lot of old man uh, and um, uh, thoughts in a lot of ways. It's been harder to admire him, but that was all my background coming into this movie. And I think that it channels that singular perspective very well into this concert film that I have so much I want to say. I'm sorry. That was more than two okay, minutes. Okay, but that was your background on the show. We're going to obviously Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, yes. I'm, you're, yeah, we're not... Thank you for giving me that like... time. Sorry for uh, monologuing. Um, no, it was beautiful. It was, it was very nice. But that was all my background going into Dave Chappelle's block party. Has anyone else watched the show? Yes. Um, yeah, I used to watch the show when I was a kid. And it was super jarring. Like, the content in that show <laughs> is bonkers. Like, he doesn't doesn't seem like he gave a shit about it. And it was very wild because, yeah, Adam, you talk about that singular kind of voice behind the show and i think that's evident a lot but also i'm just like i watched the show and i'm like how did they let him say all this like yeah it seems wild that they let him say it even though some of the stuff wasn't that outrageous and it's stuff that's happening day to day it's like i i what what channel did that run on because i'm like what like they gave this guy a show to say all this stuff uh which is very fantastic um i remember do you remember pop copy that skit or he's like working at like a uh, printing oh, shop. Oh yeah, yeah. In the first episode, I believe it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That that one, I was just like, dang, that is so funny. Like, <laughs> I, I I don't know. Like he, every skit is so different and tackles a different thing in a different way. And yeah, he does flop. And I think in older age, like it, it's way more obvious. Like he has some like homophobic and transphobic stuff. And I think in in a few of his earlier things, but yeah, in his latest Netflix special. That was a doozy. That was definitely like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it was, yeah. A, it was a huge part of it. And when it came out, everyone was like, oh, you have to see this. He's like back. He's like a master. And I watched it and I didn't think it was that. 
funny and it was just no. like so much of it was kind of the old man stuff which was disappointing because i do think he's like in a movie or something i haven't seen the show too much which is bad and on me um but it, even in a movie or something i think he's so funny I think he's one of the funniest yeah. people ever yeah yeah i think like I like watching this movie and this was the first time i'd seen him I'd, i've never actually seen the Chappelle show um i've only ever seen him in like weird parts in like a star is born and you've got mail and you've got mail um and i watched half baked in middle school and i don't remember it but it is my favorite ben and jerry's flavor um (laughs) it's so good um audience write that down it's highly recommend it um but um it's crazy because like in in this movie he's so charismatic too like he's just such an amazing like presence that like i it's like it made the movie a lot of fun but like everything i do know about him and like i don't know i just like it's like complicated i guess And, and and i feel like it's probably less complicated for me just because i didn't watch the show so i don't i didn't have like this previous like relationship with him as a comic really um i i yeah uh i haven't watched his new special in which he did receive heat so i feel like it you know might be unfair for me to specifically comment on that i knew it was gonna make me mad and also sad to see one of my favorite comedians um be such a quote-unquote old guy about these things especially well <laughs> it's it's both surprising and uh, unsurprising i would say um because on one hand it's to be expected from a comedian that like is so outspoken and singular um and it's what i was saying with the show like even on the show there is homophobic stuff there is sexist stuff and i take it all as like part of the experience of it being this show that is specifically from the mind of one um, flawed man, but smart man in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, I I see that too. Like, I don't know you. I like him, but you can definitely critique something you like. Obviously, um, like there's a lot of stuff that he says that feels unthought out, um, especially when it comes to women and other marginalized communities. But he really does get the black experience. And I think his insights on it, both uh, in the show and also in the uh, 846, Mm -hmm. or I guess concert show thing. Sorry, guys, I have to, sorry. Oh, no problem. Um, (laughs) Whether she has to, we'll never know. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Um, But yeah, his insights, like, are always bone chilling and super accurate mm-hmm. um when it comes to black things and i don't know he has like hannah was talking about earlier but like his charisma you can see it like beaming on the street in the the concert like the block party one like that i was just like people just want to be around this guy people just want to hear him talk and i don't know there were moments where like he was being loud and obnoxious kind of but even out of context people like looked over in the background and then saw it was Dave Chappelle and then just started smiling because they were like, oh, like, I know he's going to say something funny at the end of this or something. And I was like, dang, like, this guy had such a power and an effect and a magnetism on people at this time. Yeah. It was uh, pretty cool to watch. I mean, even like watching, oh, sorry. Oh, do you, no, Hannah, go ahead. but just even watching him when he's in, it's Ohio, right? 
that he's yeah. in the town and like the way even like the old white ladies who run the convenience stores are <laughs> so charmed by him <laughs> and like yeah and he gets them to go to the block party in brooklyn i love the lady that was like should i bring a thong (laughs) he says he also says one of my favorite quotes was you must be doing something right if old people love you yeah that's true (laughs) because it works like he he can just talk to anyone like he literally is having these sit-down conversations and sorry if i'm going on too much but i think when he is uh interacting with the public in this was that I think the coolest part about that, like earlier mm-hmm. on when he was like gathering, I guess assembling the the team. Hell which is yeah! The theme of this one, um, it was really nice to see him because I feel like most of his stuff is sketch comedy or stand up, which is uh, highly scripted or improv by himself. But it was cool to see him in public, like talking to people. Um, yeah. Can I say my Chappelle take, which I think is my take on a lot of old comedians? Yeah. Yes. Uh, this is not an excuse at all, but I wonder, and I don't think this is the most original thought, but I think if you're a young comedian who's very edgy and you're like con- kind of controversial um, and you're kind of speaking to things that you think are unjust and Adam, as you said, kind of come from you, I think as you get older, it might be hard to tell um, that when everyone gets mad at you over something that you're on the wrong side, you know? You're like always being controversial. So it's like, if you say something that like uh the lgbt community gets mad at you for you might think oh this is the same as when i was young yeah and i would say something against racism and everyone would get mad at me and i think that happens to a lot of older comedians and some of them do manage to grow and that's beautiful but i understand how someone can kind of get stuck in there yeah and we invoked uh you know mr kanye west earlier i think that both are cases of artists that like the things that were quote unquote controversial were anti-establishmentarian things. We're talking about systemic injustice against black men, against black people in general. And the culture has like slowly uh, caught up to the conversations that they were proposing in their music and in their comedy. Um, And yeah, I I wonder if now a part of it is like, oh, how can I capture that same kind of edge, but you're choosing a target that is outside of your understanding and like you're saying Seb it's hard to like understand like oh are these the same people that have been going against me for my whole career it's hard to see the difference I mean I guess my like two cents here which is something that because I don't have as much of a relationship with Dave Chappelle I think Kanye is actually a very good example because um you know I do love Kanye's music um but there is this like it is hard to hear someone say these like incredibly intelligent and like nuanced like opinions and kind of takes on one social issue and then have them turn around and then completely like like not even be able to kind of try to like apply that same way of thinking to another group so like and that's something like my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is one of my favorite albums of all time and i think it does say so many like intelligent and like thought-provoking things about race but it is also incredibly misogynistic and though like and i know the part of it is coming from his intimate relationship like because he talks a lot about amber rose but he's so degrading towards her and again like i understand it's kind of it's hard to balance and like 
but I think, I don't think necessarily that we should just give it a, a pass either, because it's not like these guys are some bigots who have no way of thinking about bigger things. They're people who have their own experiences that have made them have to think about cer certain social issues. And I don't understand. I think there is like an inner stubbornness to be able to then think beyond that and go, oh, maybe there is something counterproductive and actually harmful about the way I'm talking about queer people or trans people or women. Mm -hmm. I think that has to do with like anyone in a marginalized community that doesn't think with intersectionality in mind, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. anyone that's like only fighting for their own justice without taking into uh, taking into mind, like other people are also facing injustices and not punching down. Like that is a key thing. Like if you're, if you're punching down while you're trying to like uplift other people, like what is the point? You're, mm -hmm. you're really not doing good work, but uh, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I, I don't think it should be a pass, but I think you can still value the, the uh, good things that they've both said. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree. And that's, I mean, 845, Wait, 845 or 846, right? 846. That's something I found conflicting was that he was, I really, I, he was saying like these great, like things about race and, and I thought it was very engaging. But then even though he's talking about women that I don't like, women who I completely disagree with, like, like Laura Ingram, I hate, horrible human being. And I don't think she's necessarily the face of like you know like i'm not i don't she's not really the first woman that i would care about like you know fighting against sexism for but mm -hmm. you know using like the c word is actually like a very degrading and like harmful word and like i i think it's like it, it's hard because it's distracting i guess and i don't know i don't know what the right way to like Go about this is and i don't want to sound like a fragile white woman who's like not willing to kind of i don't know but i just i just it, it it's hard i guess sometimes for me to kind of weigh these things i, I think know. that it sorry seb did you have something yeah i just just before we get too far away from it i just wanted to say that i think on the kind of old activist thing i do think that eventually we will get old and whatever the measures are will change. And the test of us and of the older generation will be if we can actually change with the times and with the conversation. And mm -hmm. I think that's actually exceedingly rare. And I, again, that's not an excuse um, for anything that Chappelle says or whatever, but I do think it is a very difficult thing to do. And it's not just gonna be as simple as like what we believe now. We'll have to mm -hmm. change with like, what the next generation uh, after us believes. Because it, I think it's really easy to dig in your heels and go, oh, well, I learned enough when I was young and I was on the cutting edge. Not that necessarily we're on the cutting edge, but like mm -hmm. I can see someone like Chappelle or any old comedian, a lot of old white comedians too, um, who uh, kind of, you know, dig in and go, you get my point. <laughs> yeah, well, the, no, that's, that's, that's good. Yeah, I mean, uh, on that point, that's kind of what uh, Tupac alluded to on the end of To Pimp a Butterfly there, right? Where it's like it's young or it's it's easier when you're young to want to fight and to see hope for a better future and to see 
the seeds of change. When you get older, you kind of relax in your ways a bit more. You also start to like uh, examine your own mortality in a different way. And you start to kind of like become jaded and not be as uh, up to date. These aren't all the things that Tupac said on the end of that <laughs> album, but this is uh, what what I'm extracting from it to tie into your point, Seb. I also think like in terms of the critiquing anyone, I think that like it comes down to what we expect of celebrities and expect of the people that we really like. I think that we need to critique everything that we're into and the people that we admire and we shouldn't be putting anyone on a pedestal as like this is the person who knows it all and is unworthy of critique all celebrities are like flawed human beings just as all of us are and like they yeah sorry hannah you uh, your hand up no just i the thing is though is that i mean dave Chappelle is knowingly on a pedestal he acknowledges that in 846 he talks about how everybody wanted to hear from him and then in the middle of the pandemic chose to have like a show and have people in there. So like, he, he obviously knows that like, cause he talks a lot about that and about celebrity and why would we want to hear from a celebrity right now? But then again, goes and speaks as a celebrity. I, I don't know. It's, I just, I think it's like, even in, in talking about these like, like issues, like when, when you then like use degrading language towards women, like you're also like, you're putting down women of color too. You're putting down women as an entire gender. And like, I guess that is another failure to see things intersectionally that, you know, when like you're talking about like the horrible, like brutality and mistreatment against black people in America, like, and then go and use the C word and call like women bitches. Well, what about black women? And I, I don't know, it just, it, it, I'm not, I, it's because I don't want to invalidate what he's saying about race. I think he's saying like very like poignant and like thoughtful things. I just, I, I just, I struggle with like opening myself up to like listening to the platforms of people who then say like that, that do talk about like women or, or the LGBTQ community that way. I don't know, but I, I guess like there's so much more to be talking about. I don't want to. I don't. I don't no, know. I think this is this is a good thing to talk about, and I think that's like completely valid to not want to hear anyone that talks like that because, I mean, it is disrespectful. It is misogynistic, transphobic, and transmisogynistic. It's not good language that he's used. Um, in the case of Laura Ingram, like she's really stupid. Yeah, I know she <laughs> is. She I, is. I. I, I don't I don't co-sign his use of misogynistic language. I do co-sign him insulting her though cuz she insults um countless people every day like at her job like that's Absolutely. What she does. But yeah, I he- I hear what you're saying. But like that's that's Samantha B There's people who Sorry. Oh sorry. There there's people who critique bad people that don't put down other people and you could just listen to those people. Well, it's like, like uh a few years ago Samantha B called Ivanka Trump the c-word on her show and I was like I mean I think she had to apologize basically to like all these people and all these people on the left were like angry at her over it and even though like at the time I didn't 
think that she owed Ivanka Trump of all people an apology, like, as if I give a shit about her feelings. It is more that it's, like, when you say that word, you're not just calling Laura Ingram a C-word. You're basically opening up the possibility of calling any woman that. And, like, degrading any woman to that is, I think, harmful to women in general. Even when it does become specific. Like, there are so many things you could call her. There are so many, like, insults you could make towards her that don't have directly to do with the fact that she's a woman like and that's kind of what i'm getting at. i don't know i do think we should talk about this movie sorry Adam. yeah wait can i just say one thing on yeah. that point real quick and then we'll go into the movie which i love is one of my favorite movies um and we'll talk about it in a second <laughs> but uh i i don't know i don't justify any like shitty thing that anyone i like has said but I also don't expect like any celebrity to uphold to any like higher moral standing, I suppose. Um, and I don't even necessarily expect everyone that I respect to like speak in the exact same way as me. And uh, I don't think that that justifies any shitty thing that anyone else has said, but I still, I try to engage with like, I try to engage with the points that they're making, even if like the language that they're making it in or uh, whatever is not the exact same like moral um, decisions that I would make. Those words I, I did not come think, out right. <laughs> but I, I also think people can be wrong about some things and right about others. And we can call, call them out yeah. for the, the things and not go like, oh, yeah. I'm going to write off this person but completely. Also, so, like I do some think people it's... like Fox News people or whatever are wrong as a career sure um and you shouldn't listen to them ever but i think most people are right about some things and wrong about yeah totally but i also think you described it better than me seb thank you i just think i'm like as a culture we need to kind of go like yeah we do need to stop putting people on pedestals and like i think i i yeah i don't know i just think it's good that people are calling out the kind of limitedness of his his like voice i guess like the, the like it's just yeah. like even it sorry i cut you off no no sorry it's just like even it this is a film that's uh, a lot about hip-hop and so yeah. i use hip-hop as an example that a lot of people over the years have like delegitimized hip-hop as an entire genre because of like misogynist homophobic things that some artists have said and i'm not excusing any of that but i think no. that it's like uh, totally unfair to completely like delegitimize everything that someone has to say or that an entire like genre in this case has to say because of some things that we do not agree with and for good reason and we should check them on those things and we should be critical of those things um as we should in our day-to-day lives and in every genre and every medium i I agree with you Adam. (laughs) i I think it's i think it's good that we're talking about this and in depth too i know it's about a movie but like the movie is about a guy throwing a party and this guy is yeah. a controversial guy. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think I want to talk a little bit about um, the special we watched after yeah. uh, the block party because um, we were just talking about celebrity and stuff. And he said some shit that like, I've been thinking for so long, just like, who gives a shit what the celebrities are thinking? Like his jaw rule bit from time ago yeah. um, is still relevant. Like he brought it up in it again. But like that is still so relevant. Like I don't care. Like something horrible is happening to humanity. I don't care what uh, who 
Sarah Jessica Parker has to say it. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I just don't, don't understand that. And I think I, I, I was scared going into this when, because I didn't watch it before it was suggested. Because um, I didn't want it to just be about like, oh, it's Dave Chappelle. Let's see what he's got to think. Because he's so removed from, uh, I guess, the average black North Americans experience because he's rich now. Like He doesn't have to deal with a lot of day-to-day things that uh, mm-hmm. black people do have to deal with. So I was I was scared that his takes were going to be like warped and and awkward and uncomfortable and disappointing, but they weren't. He did really seem to recognize his status as a celebrity, and that was was good to see. And just be like, why do people even want me to talk? Because there were people who were like, we want celebrities to talk. We like we want to hear them sing Imagine. I don't <laughs> care. Like I, I I don't want to hear any of that. Like I want to see what the people are doing. And he did a great job of. I think redirecting any any ignorant person's focus onto the issues at, at, at the time mm-hmm. and like what is actually going on and the actors that are doing work that actually matters. Um, and I, re- I really did like that second special. Um, but back to the first one. Can we talk about those two people who owned that weird building and just like <laughs> spoke for so long? What was that? I like, love- oh, there's I- a. Love there was a it. moment where it's just like oh, this is far too long about these guys. No, no, no. no I, I could, I would one hundred percent. Yeah, you should oh, do a summary corner. Oh Just yes, do a summary corner. We are uh, we are like forty minutes into the podcast, <laughs> and we are now about to talk about one of my favorite friggin' movies. But I do agree with you, Funky. I think that it is important to, I think it is important to give all this background about Chappelle. Uh, it's yeah. a star vehicle. Yeah. This movie, uh, in the same way that his show is. Um, and we should circle back to talking about 846 later, but let's talk about Dave Chappelle's block party. Seb, please. Mm-hmm. Seb summary corner. Very quickly. This is a documentary about a uh, block party, quote unquote, that Dave Chappelle threw in 2004. Uh, yeah. I, I yes. believe 2004 or five. Um, it was really kind of a concert series with a bunch of kind of alternative hip hop acts at the time, many of whom are now kind of superstars or were superstars after this. Um, including Kanye West, uh, the artist formerly known as Most Def, uh, Common, Jill Scott, uh, Erica Badu and the Fugees, Chalib Kali, um, The Roots, so many good artists. So many people, so many great artists. Uh, and it's sort of, it's almost like a concert film, but it also jumps back and forth between that and uh, Dave Chappelle kind of uh, preparing for the, the concert and the party. And he threw it in the Bronx. No, Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. <laughs> That's die. <laughs> That's summary. <laughs> no, that was a good summary. summary. Great summary. Um, yeah, it's hard to. I'll try to describe why I love this film so much. It's it's a film with no conflict. Uh, it's just joyfulness <laughs> for two hours, um, which I love. There there is kind of the conflict of the. Uh, incoming gentrification that kind of looms over the film and threatens this community that we're growing to love so much as Dave uh, talks to different people uh, in Clifton Hill, a neighborhood in Bedford-Stuyvesant. Um, that might be metatextual. They don't go super into like the gentrification that's threatening this neighborhood, but uh, that Broken Angels building that uh, Funke mentioned has been torn down since then. The neighborhood has been rapidly gentrified. And like I said, maybe that's metatextual. I was aware of that um, going into watching the film this time. 
but it acts as this kind of interesting like uh, threat that is looming over the film in a film that is so celebratory and is so happy. And um, I said, it's fascinating. It's fascinating for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was super. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. no, no. I was just going to say that um, this is the same neighborhood that uh, Do the Right Thing is set in, which I haven't actually seen, but. Yes. But. Bet. Yeah. <laughs> Bad style. Um, it it felt really good to watch this. Um, uh, it was like a heartwarming movie. I didn't know what it was gonna be about, and the start was pretty slow, but then I was just like, oh, like everyone is just hanging out and having a good time. <laughs> um, and and that was very nice to see, especially with like, I don't know, all of this horrible stuff going on in the world, and like staying up to date with the news and what's happening to black people everywhere is like, oh my gosh. But to see this kind of like it really felt like a time capsule of mm-hmm. just a really, really good time um, and black people having fun and just like laughing and making jokes and stuff. It was, it was really nice to watch. I also, I cut you guys off when you were talking about the broken English building. I just think there should be some context. Does someone want to say what was happening there and then we can talk about it? Uh, uh, sorry, Hannah, do you want to explain? Sure. Um, I was going to say, I could honestly, can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, Bunkay said, thanks for why, did, why did it go on for so long? And honestly, I could watch a whole movie about those people. I loved it. Um, they're this kooky. It was, it was interesting, but it was just like, wait, what? Why are you still talking to these people? I think, <laughs> it, is, I think it is slightly too long. But you can oh. tell they stumbled on it and it's like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the bed, the, the, the broken angel building was, there's this like old couple um, who've clearly been in New York for a while who... Um, when they they they're on the, it's like their forty sixth wedding anniversary, and they tell the story of how they found a broken angel in uh, Coney Island, and then they got engaged, and then they bought this house that they called the Broken Angel House, and they're building this house, but they've been building it for decades, I guess, and it is completely unfinished. They climb ladders. It's ginormous. They made part of it look like it's floating in the sky. They own a cheetah and like seven dogs and 14 cats or some shit. <laughs> and they're witches or one of them? Yeah, they're yeah, witches. One of witch. I thought that the dynamic between the two of them was so funny. And <laughs> the little outfits. Oh my goodness. Um, and you wonder, how did they afford this house? How do they make money? They clearly don't. Yeah. And uh, and they raised a kid there who lives in a tent in one of like they're. <laughs> I don't know. They are so interesting. But they're incredibly interesting. They, it reminded me of like a passage you would read in like Patty Smith's Just Kids. Like it's just this like weirdo. Like I I yeah I really like. Love like a passage part. you'd read in fucking a series of unfortunate events. Oh my god, no, that was amazing. I, like, what? Like, I, I, I don't know, because it. it's just weird and, and otherworldly. I think that I love it. it was... It, it felt like they were being very vulnerable, especially the, the woman in that scene. She was talking about, like, I do everything for cancer and for the animals. And was, like, telling her whole life story and her dad's life story. And then Dave, Dave Chappelle... It cuts him right after, and he's like, man, if I wanted to rent out a crack house for a movie, like, I'd that <laughs> place. Mean, and then it just cuts away from them. And I'm but like, I also have a feeling what? that that woman will say everything she said on film to any person that starts a conversation with her on the subway. 100%. Like, I've talked to yes. that woman before on the subway. Like, not her, but basically. And, like, 
she was ready to tell them everything. I'm sure mm-hmm. they cut out so much shit. It's definitely yeah. like mean spirited, but I do think the best part of the sequence is when it's intercutting the house and Dave Chappelle telling a story about it at like a bar <laughs> or something. Because mm-hmm. he's so funny, he's such a good storyteller, and it's like I don't I don't think that that part's mean spirited though. I I think yeah. when he's telling that story, he seems to be telling it from so much love. And even when he first sees them, like he seems so happy to be interacting with them. I know he makes that crack house joke, but I legit feel like like it, it makes me jokes. kind of a. Mm-hmm. I guess, but says I that they look like, through a periscope to look at to look at the time. <laughs> they do oh, though. That was so <laughs> yeah, funny though. They do though. Like that is actually a thing, and I I think he's des- describing it with wonder. I, I actually wait. Don't that feel... wasn't a joke. That was real. Well, no, they have they have a telescope that is pointed directly at a clock tower, and so <laughs> yeah. That wasn't a joke. I love I, I, I feel like he's describing it with so much wonder and happiness, and and it's a film that already was so joyful that i didn't take that as like him being mean maybe the crack house joke but that's his brand of humor i I don't feel like he's like looking down on these people at all i think that he really loves it he keeps describing it as this really cool house like this this amazing place that he saw i think it's a mix of both i think he's kind of making fun of them but because it's like so like like it's just so weird and strange but i think he's fascinated by it and i think he like can appreciate that it's kind of this weird gem they stumbled upon. They were like, oh, here are two of the weirdest people you'll ever meet living in the weirdest and house you'll ever see. All right. Like, I think he really appreciates his, uh, their enthusiasm as well. Like he, it seems like he's feeding off of that when yeah. he's telling this, but he also knows they're two kooky old people <laughs> who, who think that rap music Definitely. is oh, has too it. much bad. Li- can I, me now? Now? Yeah, I'll go. Okay. I was Can just... I say my favorite moment real quick? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just on, on a similar moment of intercutting, there's a... Uh, Dead Prez was one of the only artists I didn't really know. Oh, um, Dead Prez rules. Going into the movie, uh, I'm sorry to say. But um, they start playing, and the movie does this a lot, where like a sequence will be... Uh, the song will kind of be in, a, in the background, and then it'll be cutting to something else. But the song kind mm-hmm. of has this undercurrent. And Dead Press comes on, and then Dave Chappelle just gives, like, such an interesting bit of context, just, like, the perfect uh, bit for, like, explaining who they are. He's like, you don't hear them on the radio much, but they played in barbershops a lot. And he's, like, talking about how they're so truthful um, in what they're saying, and what they're saying appears to be so radical. I I don't think it would be so radical now, Um, but at the time, Uh, I'm sure it was. Yeah, I'm sure it wouldn't, I'm sure it still wouldn't get played on the radio. But yeah, um, it's just so cool. I think, and he like gives context to specific lines and stuff. And, and then that, that performance amazing. is so friggin' good. That that yeah, I, I was considering amazing. doing. It's bigger than hip hop because that was my other favorite performance in the film. When they go to acapella and they're they're just they're, yeah. and then they friggin' come in with the whole band and and go back into the chorus. And, ah! <laughs> I'm just geeking yeah. out right now. I feel like Dave Chappelle in the film. Oh, I should mention that. That's maybe my favorite thing about the movie, just how much enthusiasm Dave has about every one of these artists, about music in general, about the entire, uh, like about his uh, community in Ohio, as well as the people here in, in Bed-Stuy. Like he seems like he's having such a blast putting on this show and it makes me want, it, it makes me so happy it warms my heart so much. It makes me so um, 
excited to see all these performances because I'm just feeding off of his excitement. Oh, I love it. Can I just say that the minute the movie started, I was like, oh, yes, of course Adam loves this movie. This is like, I, this is like <laughs> so, such an Adam movie. It's so upbeat. It's like your favorite music. Like, I, yeah. I like, earlier you explained why you like this movie. I was like, do you have to do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, for the audience. Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> I love Dave Chappelle. I love rap music. I love process documentaries. Um, I love happiness. <laughs> it's, it's everything. It was thing yeah. I it was nice to see him be like, I don't know if this is gonna work out, but we'll see. Like throughout, it. and I was like, oh my gosh, like will it? That and then it was really. really it kind of reminded me of Woodstock in that way, which is like, <laughs> I've seen like part of the documentary for making Woodstock, and it was literally like, they were like, oh, we're not prepared. But everyone's coming, and and then everybody just... I mean, Woodstock is always, like, over-romanticized because there was, like, a lot of shit that happened there. But, like, there's yeah. kind of this idea of, like... Event they didn't, like, charge cover, and it was just like, okay, everyone's here, and we're taking... Out, like, it, it, I don't And that know. was just because, like, a bunch of people showed up, right? It was like, they were gonna charge for the tickets. Yeah, and then there was no oh, right, way for that Woodstock, they could. Yeah. And, yeah, and Axe had to be helicoptered in, and, like... What? It's I don't know. It just it reminded me. Maybe it's, those are the only like concert documentaries I've ever seen, and that's why it reminded me of Woodstock. But yeah, I don't know. Cool. It just felt something like really personal about it. Like everybody there was experiencing this like thing together, in that yeah, same way. And I think that the like symbolic implications of the concert are will make it such a great. Um, concert documentary for me like it's not just about whether or not it's a good or bad show the concert feels like like celebration as an act of resistance it's it's beautiful and it's just this like supportive space this very positive space for all these black artists to come and to perform for a largely black crowd and it it makes the show feel like yeah it it doesn't really matter if it was a good show but it also is an amazing show um, most concert docs, it's like, here's just a cool performance and that's what it is. But like I said, like the symbolic implications of this concert make it, make the music so, it makes the performances all so much better. And but on, nice. on it being a, a good show, I think there's a part later on where it's like, I can't remember who says this, maybe it's Jill Scott, but she's like, uh, everyone here used to perform together at this, like this one oh, like, yeah. club. And it's like, you hear that and it's like, that comes near the end of the movie, but you're like, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Like, everyone is interacting so well. There's parts where Questlove is drumming and directing people on when to, like, enter. <laughs> like, you can tell he's, like, kind of, uh, he's, like, the band leader of, like, the whole thing. And, like, they're all just, like, playing around. Most of, one of my favorite things is he's doing comedy drumming for Chappelle. Like, oh, yeah. He's doing, like, rim shots and, like, but, um, so funny. Oh, I gotta lo say I loved when Mr. T... Oh, the, that guy that he keeps calling Mr. D. <laughs> and everyone boos him like immediately when he comes on stage. He's when he, has, when he does his verse. Do you, do you want to explain that moment? What's happening? Oh well, just he calls someone on stage who wants to MC, and it's this guy, and he calls him Mr. T. Um, he has a mohawk. He says mohawk, yeah, and he's wearing a free Tibet shirt. And Dave Chappelle gets him to rap, and everyone boos, and then Dave, Dave Chappelle kind of roasts him. 
Well, I think they're supposed to do a rap battle, but Chappelle's also terrible at it. Also, like, the, they're both really bad. The other guy gets the freestyle. <laughs> Chappelle's not even rhyming. <laughs> <laughs> he makes fun of him for rhyming. Yeah. <laughs> Chappelle talks about um, rappers and musicians, like, in their, like, synergy a lot. Like, he's spoken about that in the past. Mm. But it's so true, and I feel like in this doc, like, you really, really see it. Like, they're bonded. Like, they, they are so... They're friends, like, and you can really see that in their performances and how they interact with each other on and off stage. It, it feels really fun to see. Yeah. It's a great energy. Watching mm. um, Jill Scott Sorry. when she's watching Erica Bedu and, like, just, she, she's kind of just, like, she, like, she's a god like we're both great but she she's her own like incredibleness and then she talks about like how exciting it is to kind of meet her off stage because she seems so like serious and like yeah i feel like this idea of like appreciating and loving each other's art and then also being able to have a human relationship with other people it's very interesting i like yeah sorry yo scott is so sweet and good in this movie oh yeah he seems so nice and happy Oh my gosh. Um, but on the comedian thing, uh, Chappelle mentions that uh, comedians and musicians both rely on timing and then proves it because his timing, like with these like elaborate jokes, well, they're kind of just long jokes that ha- are punctuated by music, but his timing feels musical. Like it's like so precise and so funny and uh, so energetic. It's like, yeah, of course, he's a musician at heart. And- and often it doesn't even really matter what the joke is. It's like the timing of it makes it funny no matter what. Yeah, a lot of the jokes are bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've thought about that before because sometimes like, you know, growing up, I'd be like hanging out with my brother and I literally like wouldn't even hear what he would say or it'd be just like some gibberish, like <laughs> like some minion thing. Um, <laughs> nah, nah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it doesn't matter what he said, but like the moment that he said it, just makes me laugh so hard and yeah. I, I feel like that's a, a lot of comedy definitely the timing is so key like watch this knock knock who's that aardvark aardvark who aardvark to school but then i'd be late wait what right then. was this an example <laughs> of good timing yeah that yes. was hilarious the, the- <laughs> Was it? <laughs> I'm sorry. Can I hear your knock knock joke? That was about as good as the 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 jokes that uh, Dave is making <laughs> as Yasin Bay is drumming. Um, Adam. Yeah. I do have a question. I was watching it as like, this oh, is not God. a whack so movie at all. Ah, uh, I think it is. You think I don't think whack? I've ever seen. I I don't think I've ever seen a movie like this um, that has been a concert film but is more about like the process of getting to that concert and a celebration of like creation and just putting together a show over like mm. anything that's actually happening on stage. Um, like I said, there's basically like no conflict that happens in the movie. It's just like celebration for two hours. Um, they don't try to like force any kind of there's ways that they could have they could have made the fact that lauren hill wasn't going to come to the show or uh, wasn't able to perform uh they could have made that a behind the scenes conflict and then made like the fuji's performing more of a traditional um climactic moment 
Um, they could have made the rain more of a conflict, but it was just kind of brushed off. Um, I I think that it's a it's a film that I I, I don't know. I, I don't think I could think of another film that is really like this, to be honest. Maybe someone else could, but. Um, obviously, Justin Bieber's Never Say Never. That was a joke. <laughs> never Say Never. I feel like I'm, we're all frauds because has anyone seen Stop Making Sense? I've never seen it. Oh, no, I've never seen um, that. My, That's like the definitive one. My dad has tried to make me watch that many times and just watch the very first performance with me. So, no. What is it about? It's um, Talking Heads, like, concert movie. And it was directed by Jonathan Demme, who's, like, amazing. He had, like, Silence of the Lambs and Something Wild, which is one of my favorite movies. Um, I haven't seen it, but I just wonder, uh, are there, like, many concert movies that cut in and out of the songs like this one? That seems like a major thing that you would, like, avoid. But this one, like, sometimes you can't hear the song. Like, it's cutting to, like, another, like, full scene, and the song is under it. And I think it works really well. But I do think that's, like, a big risk. Or wouldn't be mad. Yeah. I think that shows that it's focused on, like, the experience of, like, all these people having fun together and, like, what's going on there than just the music. I I, I like that about that movie. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that... I'm... I... I don't, I probably haven't seen enough music documentaries, but like, I feel like this is, I'm sure, like, I, I, I'm sure this format is used, like, but, but I, I do think there is, I understand what you're saying, Adam. It's, it's like very interesting. It's also interesting that there, yeah, there really is, there's not really a story, like, there's a story, but not in the way that we've been traditionally taught to, like, understand a story there's not a mm-hmm. climax there's not really it's kind of consistently just happening i saw someone on letterbox compare the structure of it to eternal sunshine or at least mm. it's kind of like the memories of how the things happened are also part of the interesting the thing. you know like the song will go back to how these artists got here or uh, them riding in on the bus or like them hanging out oh, backstage and rehearsing it's like it's cool yeah. And I, I also think like, yeah, I guess I, I haven't seen like a, a ton of concert films, but I feel like I've seen enough to say that most of them are intended to be showcases for the artists. Like right. they're intended yeah. to be these works where it's like, look, Justin Bieber is an awesome performer. Go buy his album. This doesn't feel like that at all. Like it's much bigger than any individual artist. It is about like the entire event and... um I I think that's great. I mean, you can listen to the soundtrack album, which is pretty bomb, and you can hear some of the awesome ways of, that they did, like what Sev was describing, where they'll just cut a song halfway off, even though it goes on for five more minutes and it's amazing. And they could have shown that, and it could have been this like great scene where you're like, oh yeah, uh, Jill Scott rules, but it yeah. pointedly doesn't want to be a showcase for any one artist. Um, and I think that that's a that's a cool decision i will say that is maybe one of the ways it reminds me of the woodstock documentary i'm not trying to discredit it as not being like original in its format i think it does like have a very like interesting but i just there's something about it that does feel familiar and i guess i'm trying to put my finger on it but um Mm. but i get what you're saying and i think there is something really beautiful about that like it does feel like just to see people getting along and working together and there is nothing about 
who was difficult to work with or like what could have gone <laughs> yeah. wrong it's just literally and and there's all these like legends in their field yet there's something extremely unglamorous about it it really doesn't you know it's not like people you know like it they, nobody feels like untouchable everybody's it's like yeah. they're working together and there's something and I feel like you can kind of even feel that within the relationship between the people on stage and the people in the crowd. Like it, it, if yeah, like I, I, I'm, I don't really have the right words right now to explain it. But you can, you can see that like it, there's something unique about this experience um, over like a regular um, kind of like arena concert or something. Yeah, I think that even like from every part of the production side of things, like that we've seen, like. It looks really nice. Like, do you, do you guys remember the scene where the camera person is like almost walks into a pole and Dave Chappelle's like, watch out, you almost walked into a pole. <laughs> Come on, buddy. And then like continues what he's saying. And I was just like, whoa. Like, I feel like most other productions would have cut that out and then just like had Dave Chappelle start again and be like, okay, let me intro this part. Um, but I really like that it, it does feel a bit less it doesn't feel like extremely polished. It feels like, okay, mm-hmm. these people are having fun putting this together. Uh, they don't know how it's going to go, and it turns out very, very well. Um, they talk about the tight budget, and I think they made it work. With I don't know if that was a tight, tight budget because <laughs> yeah. they did fly people out, get the, or sorry, bus people out and get the hotel rooms, but I mean, they did a good job with all of that. I, I also think, is it a unique concert movie thing? I, I also haven't seen a ton to shoot from the crowd. Like, not just shots of the crowd, but from the perspective of the crowd. Mm. Like, I feel mm. like I haven't seen that a ton. And I thought Spike it was Spike really Jones well did something like that for a Beastie Boys documentary. But yeah, I haven't really seen that very often. And it makes and you feel it, like you're, you're there. Like you're there, you're, yeah. You do get yeah. a feeling of the event. Which I feel like... Sorry, Hannah, I cut you off. Uh, and I want to hear what you have to say. But uh, I want to talk about those two guys at some point who he gives tickets to. Yeah, all I was going to say is that like on the point about the budget, I feel like it's almost like, you know, the fact that they didn't, I guess, have a huge budget probably like worked to its benefit because again, mm-hmm. but um, anyways, that, that doesn't, was all. It doesn't feel slick. Like it feels like you're on the ground in that, yeah. in that way that you're describing, yeah. even just by giving the cameras to the to the crowd but even just like in the 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 lead up to the entire thing like it feels like you are on the ground with dave trying to put together this show and it demystifies all the artists in the way that you described earlier uh you don't even like they never sit down for any interviews with anyone like everything is just happening i use this word already but on the ground and on the fly and um there's a magic to that there's a friggin' magic to that yeah, and I think even though you're not getting interviews with these people, it's almost like, in a way, helps to humanize, like, people who are, like, such huge names and, like, take away the kind of celebrity feeling of them that you are you just around everybody. I don't know. Yeah. It's a fly-on-the-wall documentary. Yes. Well, I Thanks, didn't film take film theory classes, Sebastian, so thanks That's for exposing me. <laughs> it's called a fly on the wall when they don't interact no but it's, it's not even like about them interacting <laughs> it's just kind of I don't know anyways so uh, you wanted to talk about the two guys yeah I really like those two guys the first two those guys 
yeah, he gives these two young guys tickets to a show, and there's a short interview in their bedroom, or one of their bedrooms, where they're talking about how they almost got into a fist fight with a guy who was being racist, but decided not to so they could go to the concert. Um, but basically, they keep checking in on those two guys throughout the movie, and I think it's, again, that feeling of, like, you're there. And it's like, here's kind of our perspective characters. And they do that a lot with the marching band with the people who are waiting in line to get on the school buses it's like we're gonna come into a concert with these people and watch it through their eyes as well which i think is smart i love that scene where they tell the marching band that they're going to new york <laughs> oh my god oh my god i got so emotional it's just so lovely because they're so happy and they're all jumping up and down and like hugging dave and hugging <laughs> each other and they seemed so excited to be going to this show. It's like one of those things that like you would like be like, oh, imagine if this happened to me and then it does. And it's just so nice to see it happen to people. Yeah. I love their teacher too. He's yeah, got he... such a pretty oh, yeah. way of speaking. And also... Yes, I noticed Mr. that too. Mr. Millsap. Yeah, the first black man named Millsap. I Dave Chappelle's love <laughs> how... When There's Dave a player Chappelle... in the NBA named Paul Millsap. <laughs> I fire. love how when he asks him, he immediately says yes. And he's like, but like, he's like, yeah, I have to figure out some stuff, but like, yes. Like, there's not even like a kind of like, oh, I'm a teacher. I have to be pragmatic about it approach. He's just like, of course. And like, and I, I, yeah. Yeah. And I think that speaks to how universally loved Dave was at this time. And I should mention this uh, bit of context that I, I meant to mention earlier, but Dave, after two seasons of The Chappelle Show, uh, they started working on season three and very famously he walked off the show because he was growing uncomfortable with his star persona. He was growing uncomfortable with the popularity of the show. Um, and he walked away from a huge contract and season three ended up just being like a couple episodes that uh, some pre-recorded sketches and then um, some regulars from the show hosted it. But this came out two years after the show was off the air um, it was filmed, I believe, during the time it was airing. So he was at, like, the height of his popularity. But part of the, like, uh, I guess, appeal of this film was it was like, oh, Dave, Dave is back. He's doing something. We get to just hang out with Dave for another two hours. And we all miss Dave so much. And I think you can see that in the film, how, like, how universally loved he was, how much everyone just wanted to be around him, and how much, like, we all just longed to have Dave in our life, and his hiatus was so freaking sad. That's good context. I didn't. I didn't know that yeah, didn't it know took that. place like right around then. I thought you were going to talk about the Chappelle effect, which Questlove kind of brings up at one point in the movie. Go on. Okay, I might have this wrong because I think I've heard this from you, but I thought that Chappelle, one of the reasons he left the show was he was growing uncomfortable with how white his audience was yeah. or at least how comfortable his white audience members were with laughing at black stereotypes. Um, and there's a scene where Questlove is talking about how the roots also have a majorly white audience, or at least not a black audience. Um, and he says, uh, me and Dave have that in common. Yeah, so that I was also, understand. yeah. Uh, that was a part of his discomfort with the show as well. And I think that that's also, part of the motivation for uh, this block party 
it right after that scene with Questlove is the the bit on stage where he's talking about like five thousand black people chilling in the rain, fifteen white people peppered in trying to find a Mexican, and there's that whole bit. Um, I think we might have to wrap up soon. I'm looking at the clock. Um, but if you guys would like to have your conversation or talk about eight four six, um, because I have to leave. I can just disappear if you would. I don't want to. What are you guys feeling? Do we want to wrap up as a group? Do you want to? Do you want to give your wax score and maybe we'll talk about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't want to, um, kind of, like, you know, I don't, I don't want you to not have the chance to talk about it because we kind of left it off. Um, uh, my wax score, I, I don't. Again, like, I don't. I have a like. I wouldn't associate this movie with being wax. I really enjoyed it, and I completely understand everything you're saying, Adam. But again, in like the terms of whackness, like, like I don't know, like like a one point five, and wow. I really enjoyed the movie. I just didn't find it whack at all. I'm sorry. He's not mad. What? Look mad. <laughs> Adam, I'm sorry. No, I don't care. You can you can think it's over whack or not whack you want. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking of something else. Okay. Well. And I was just boiling with rage. Oh. And now I've ruined their friendship. Damn it. <sighs> okay. Um, I'm going to sign off. Banana. Um, bye. Bye. We <laughs> love you. No, I love. Well, maybe you do, but. <laughs> There's another yeah, heart here. There's a heart on the screen. Adam, don't be oh, mad. Oh, I sorry. I'm I'm holding my phone with as recording with one oh. of my hands. That's why I didn't put up the heart. Uh huh. Okay. Here, here's like that that kind of heart. Oh, okay. You see it? Ooh, that's a classic. Bye. <laughs> I didn't know that one. Yeah, yeah. The audience cannot see what we're doing right now, so it doesn't matter. It's like matter, the finger but... one audience. Oh, true. Here's okay, you know the Justin Bieber finger. heart. This is the Justin Bieber heart. Where you put the two hands together. Right. Did he invest oh, yeah. that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, the Beeps was the first person to ever do that. <laughs> I when he done when he did it, my jaw dropped and I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. I understand. No one has done that. That is better. love. No. And then the other one that's a that's a K pop one, right? Yeah, yeah I think that's a K uh, yeah. When you put the what thumb and your point your... pointer finger? I think it's your pointer finger. Hmm. Mm. One one quick thing, just on what you were saying, uh, I didn't think of, about that at all during the movie. But I also I didn't really know what what era this was. But I understand maybe if that was one of his concerns with the show, why that would motivate him to do the block party in Bed Stuy for a primarily black audience. I, I guess you're already saying that. But, uh, no, no, I, yeah, I, I mean, I kind of petered out as I was saying my point, but. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that it was a very conscious choice to make this event like actively not centered around white audiences um, because he was growing discomforted um, at the fact that white audiences were laughing at humor that it, it, I would say is not for us. I mean, I wouldn't say it's not. That's a weird way to put it, but there, I would say there's some. There's some stuff that is specific for the black community, I think. Like, there's stuff that he is making that's more general for everyone to laugh at, but, like, there are some skits that's, like, only black people really get it, and if you're laughing at it, like, I don't think you get it. Right. And you're not black, yeah. 
And it makes, and yeah, and you ask the question like, well, what are you laughing at? Are you just laughing at like a caricature of, uh, of a black character? Like, for example, one of the things, one of his popular characters was, uh, uh, what's his name? The like guy who's addicted to crack. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. The toque and, um, yeah, and he felt like people laughing at that was like him doing an irresponsible job of like uh, perpetuating like negative stereotypes of lower income black mm-hmm. folks. And he felt like white audiences laughing at that is kind of like, well, what, what, what are you perceiving as the joke? I might be putting words in his mouth, but this is the, what I remember from reading about it many years ago. Tyrone yeah. Biggums. Tyrone Biggums. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I think you could say that with uh, a lot of rap artists as well. I think that's what Questlove is, is talking about a little bit. It's like when white, audience, when white audiences are interacting with this art, uh, what are we interacting with? Yeah. he. It's so interesting. I don't know, like, I'm going back to what you talk, you spoke about like earlier on, but how it's all coming from his brain. It's just like every sketch, I'm like, how do you come up with this? Like, <laughs> the concepts are nuts. Like, I think about, uh, I think one of his best skits is is the black KKK member. That, oh like, my God, yeah. So Literally, funny. just so nuts. So good. Um. Yeah, I think he's 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 done some good work, but yeah, there's some stuff that like teeters on like if you're laughing on at this like, I don't know. I feel like it's fine for black people to laugh at the, ourselves, like it's totally cool. But sometimes it teeters. Like I I I think it's still happens today. I don't know. I feel that way sometimes on Twitter. Like when I make a joke mm. for black people about black people, like I'm like don't like this like don't like this if you don't understand what this is like stop like it it feels weird um if you don't know what uh we're talking about you know hmm i'm thinking about hannah's whack number um and adam i am so sorry but i'm have to give the movie a one i think it's a five for me Oh my god! I'm serious. No, I'm serious. I think that this is a very bold and fascinating film that is unlike anything I've ever seen before. But I do want to talk about. We have to also assemble the team. We have to think about who we want from this film on our team. Okay. Well, I have an argument for that. I would say the only one that also. Well, the only one you see him assemble is the marching band. And as Hannah said, it's a strong emotional scene. So I don't understand Ooh. how he would not pick the marching band. The other people just know him already. And they're mm. just already playing. But we're just picking people from this film that we want on our team, isn't it? <laughs> we, we Let's all make a case for someone. To, okay. Yeah, can we? Something. Okay, well, that's can my I make a Can I make a case yeah. for Questlove? Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, first off, I just love Questlove so much. He's one of those people where it's like, if you asked me like, hey, you can have a sit down meeting, a sit down conversation with any person living or dead, he'd be in my top five people I'd want to talk to. Uh, I think he's, I think he's really smart and he's had his hands in so many things that I love beyond just the roots, uh, fricking Jay-Z's MTV Unplugged, Hamilton, 
D'Angelo, like his whole discography, um, and has close proximity to like pretty much every uh, important cultural figure of the last 20 years. Not every to mention night he also... Every for your favorite comedian. Okay, well, not that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, not to mention also, of course, just being an amazing uh, musician in his own right. I'm also a drummer, so it'd be cool to just talk to about that. Uh, thank you, thank you. Um, so yeah, if we're just like trying to assemble a team of like cool people, smart people, people we want to hang out with, then Questlove is the person I would choose. I like that. Thank you know you. he can work on a big team. He can. And he he's can. Good directing stuff, <laughs> drumming. <sighs> hmm. This is hard. I think. I think I want to go with the camera crew. They're on it. <laughs> They're very on it. They work together. He pulls them back, as you said, Adam, from a hiatus. They haven't been working together for a while. He gets them together, and they're all on board. Whatever he has to do, they're like, let's go. It's Dave. <laughs> it's Dave time. We will capture this because we know it's going to be good. Um, but I do like Seb's case for the marching band as well. I also like so the I'm idea like, of our team who we don't know what they're doing yet, consisting of Isla Fisher and a high school marching band. <laughs> it would be sweet to always be followed by a marching band, but also like Questlove could assemble us a marching band, easy. So we're That's delegating. True. We're delegating the assembling of the team to Questlove. Yeah, I mean, are we allowed to pick like 40, a 40 person marching band as our person <laughs> <laughs> as our single person i guess we could also none of us mentioned dave Chappelle, who was the entire film you want dave around uh he's never he's not being assembled he's assembling i don't know i just he, he wasn't in my mind when i selected do either of you know who that guy with the beard was who was playing and he didn't have like a spot on the actual show but sometimes they'd cut to him and he'd be talking to dave and he would play Really beautiful voice. Oh, yeah, no, I don't know. Do you who know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. He like yeah. plays a electric guitar, right? And just kind of does these slow yeah. little things. Oh. There's one really nice scene. I think Do it's when he's him? in the Salvation Army and uh it's scored by that um by that guy. Which was also a scene that I I wanted to actually just mention that one briefly because Again, I might be bringing in these ideas of gentrification that are maybe subtextual and not specifically within the text of the film. But I thought that that was an interesting scene in connection to that idea because going to the Salvation Army, it's all these beautiful stuff, the things that he identifies as beautiful that are being thrown away, they're being displaced, um, tying into like the metaphor of the displacement of a community because of gentrification, I thought was cool. Yeah, I think it, it it is very cool. It's a cool time. <laughs> what you're smiling? Because I'm I'm glad you agree. <laughs> yeah, agree. Um, let me check. I, I had a couple notes back on eight forty six. Um, oh yeah, yeah. We should wait, wait. Should we assemble our team? Do our scores? Okay. Just real and then quick. talk eight forty six. Yeah. I, I was just I was just scanning quickly, but yes. I want the marching band. 
Sure, I'll take the marching band. <laughs> Even though I'm sad that we're missing our opportunity to hang out with Questlove. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, one uh, day. Yeah. One day. One day. Maybe. I hope. Yeah, when I, I go on worry. the Tonight Show. I would worry about <laughs> Lauren Hill showing up. Otherwise, it, you know, to be up there. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, fair uh, enough. That's her thing, right? At concerts now, she'll just, she just doesn't She's show like up. hours late and plays mm-hmm. way less songs than normal. That thing. She's too bad because I'm sure. She's having a rough time in some way. So what are the numbers? We have 1.5 Hannah, 1 me, 5 Adam. Adam, are you actually going 5? Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll go 2. Mm. What? How do, Are you putting the numbers in uh, in the Wackatron yeah, 5 the billion? Wack-a-tron. Yeah. The Wackometer. <laughs> well, I think the Wackatron 5 billion punches it up for the whack a meter. Yeah, it's a 2.3 point it's a 2.375. <laughs> oh, you sounded sad saying this. Name one other film that's like this that you know. Woodstock. You haven't even seen that. <laughs> I've seen parts of it. I've heard of it today <laughs> on the pod. It was on TV when I was a kid sometimes. I think it's a completely singular unique film that is like nothing else. Um it is DIY, low budget, to its core, and a celebration of process over product, and an mm. incredible feature. And I, I uh, want it to be clear that I like the movie. I just don't think it's wet. Yeah, we, this always happens. <laughs> the movie's great. The movie's like a four out of five. It's a fantastic movie. That's a five out of five. <laughs> You gave it a four on Letterboxd. Oh. Uh, when I rewatched it today, the- I gave it a five. It might have been a four before that. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, eight eight forty six. What is this? Because I don't think we explained that. Do we want to do a quick sub summary? We can do a very quick sub summary. Uh, Dave Chappelle. Very recently. Through Netflix released a 27 minute special um, called 846. Uh, it's mostly, there's not much comedy in it. It's mostly, um, I don't know, like, uh, what's the word for it? It's like a monologue, really. Yeah, it's like a monologue. Yeah. That's I guess very you could true. Call like, it wasn't that funny. Show. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's not quite a one man show, though, either. It's very raw. It seems like uh, it was put together pretty quickly, and it must have been because most of the material uh, is about very recent events, specifically the death of George Floyd, the murder of George Floyd by police, um, and more generally the murder of uh, black men and black people by police in the States. Um, it's Yeah, it, it is really raw and like unprocessed. He's reading parts of it off his phone at points. Um, it's shot in one continuous shot pretty much cut up with like a couple audience reactions and some archival footage of uh, some police murders mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah he's very upset through it 
understandably, um, but it's unusual to see him like that. I think. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's my corner. Um, I think we we covered most of it earlier in the podcast. Uh, but yeah, I I just want to say like his storytelling is very very good, and like mm-hmm. this this was amazing. Like from every every facts he he was spitting like to the transitions to the segues like it flowed very very well it it was like he wrote an essay and then said it like without reading anything it was it was fantastic um and i agree with like most of what he had to say and and we talked before about the platform of celebrities why do we want celebrities to comment on uh systemic racism on tragic events that have occurred on really anything beyond their sphere. But I think that he uh, tackles this in an interesting way. I think specifically, like, there was one thing that stuck out to me that he mentioned, which was that we want to hear Dave talk about this because we expect the truth from Dave Chappelle. Um, He mentions how, you know, Every institution we now expect to lie to us, which is true. And he feels like he is in a position where, like, agree with him or disagree with him. You expect him to comment his authentic point of view, which ties into the thing that I admire about The Chappelle Show, which can sometimes come with unfortunate um, comments. Yeah. yeah. But is a, is a fascinating point. Um, one thing I liked was when he was talking about, uh, the Chris Dorner shootings and stuff. Yeah, that was, and that was my favorite part too. I, I also didn't so... know that. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it, it was a thing that's kind of like dark and I don't know, not spoken about too much, but like he made it so funny. Like it, he, they were talking about like the people going to escort, escort him and yeah. they were like alright we're going to get you there safely it's like the one <laughs> read joke the manifesto. In the whole yeah. thing. <laughs> we read the manifesto we want to make sure you're okay and he's like I'm fine are you good like what can I do for you uh, <laughs> and that was, that was so so funny I would um, ask you to I, explain I like, it but it's almost too dark I guess the whole thing yeah. is pretty dark it is dark dark yeah. but that that one part was like a little light in that situation But I, oh I, my gosh this I think that's almost like a meta thing on the on the whole special and what we've been talking about, which is if uh, if you don't know, which I didn't know until the special, but Christopher Dorner was a LAPD police officer. He was black. He was fired um, for trying to report on corruption and brutality um, and tried everything to get rehired. And when he was unable to get rehired, he released a manifesto and started murdering uh, LAPD officers and their families but also in the manifesto he named uh, Dave Chappelle as a genius um, but I think that's part of the meta text of the thing too is like Dave Chappelle is named a genius by people he does not want to, he just wants to tell jokes like I think that's yeah, part of it interesting like there's a, a guy I like a lot he's a comedian and he writes good letterbox reviews I'm going to make sure I pronounce his name right. his name is Demi eBay. I probably still got that. Oh wrong. yeah, with the podcast and shit. Oh yeah, he's dope. Uh yeah, he's he's great. And in his uh uh review of eight forty six, he said that exact thing. He's like, he just wants to tell. He said he just wants to tell pussy jokes, which Chappelle <laughs> says like basically says that. 
uh, in the special. Yeah. Which I think is true. He doesn't want to be a voice on these things. He just wants to like right. joke around. But since he's black and successful, he has to comment on each of these things. And it feels an obligation That's a- to and a pressure. Very, very good point, Seb. I like how you, you looked at that there because I can't even imagine the weight on anyone's life after reading their name in a manifesto of a guy that's murdered people, like regardless of why they murdered people. But like that is nuts that he even has to talk about that. Ugh. Yeah, that's so cool. weird. I didn't I didn't yeah. really know the story at all. I feel like it's one of those things that's kind of so dark and touches on so many things that it's almost like kind of suppressed because it's like recent yeah. right i didn't yeah. hear about that at all mm-hmm. maybe that's probably on me but yeah i've seen his photo in a lot of memes uh sadly um really chris darner what kind of memes I don't know. You know Zach Fox, and I swear, Eric yeah, Andre yeah. As well, I posted his face. I think the one oh, time really? I heard about him before, I didn't know the full story, but it, I think it was Zach Fox. It was someone on Twitter who was like, "Yeah, uh, people aren't sharing the story of this hero who died," and it was a picture of him, and it was like intentionally <laughs> trying to get like Blue Lives Matter people to rally around. Like, that was <laughs> yes, yes. Which oh is uh, edgy. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Guys, I'm mentally exhausted. Um, do we want to wrap up now? I sorry, just talking about all this content. Yeah. Um, Dave Chappelle, uh, a flawed person, complicated person, complicated person, valuable but, artist, uh, very very valuable artist who has done some incredible things, including one of the best shows of all time and one of the best movies of all time, <laughs> and. I'm glad that we were able to talk about it. Um, so come back next week. Uh, <laughs> oh, can I go next some, week? Unless some movie. Ooh, what you gonna do? Uh, unless Nara or Hannah want to go. Uh, I want to do the Magnificent Seven. I've decided. Okay, I'm down. Then I'll get excited at once. <laughs> I said I'm down. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking the old one, to be clear. Yeah, the old one. What is the old one? What year is that? Uh, 1960. Oh, we're watching an old movie. But I swear this movie is so entertaining. Every second of it is fun. We're going into the vault. Every second of it is fun. After, like, the first scene, which is, like, kind of slow, but not really, every, every bit of it is fun. I'm excited, then. It's an old blockbuster. It's, like... Okay, I'm going to get too excited. Wait, I'll wait. <laughs> we can watch it and then we'll talk about it, I guess, right? Yeah. <laughs> is that, We do that on this podcast. <laughs> oh, do you have any shout-outs? I don't have any. No. <laughs> Sorry, I should have brought it up. <laughs> Nara's always the one that comes with the shout-outs. I feel like... Right. So it, many shout-outs. Yeah. <laughs> Lucas said he's going to listen to the tag episode. That, oh, that's as far as he would go. Well, why I hasn't think we he? Could... <laughs> he has, he's going to watch Tag and then listen. Oh, we're we're getting someone to watch Tag. Yeah, to... yeah. Maybe I'll try and steer him <laughs> towards a better movie. That is great. But I think it's a good that episode. Great. Let me know how that goes. Yeah, I think it is too. 
And you know oh, what nice. else is a good episode? What? This episode. Yeah. Good up. That was the audience. I mean, Thank that, you that's what happens when we talk about the best movie ever. It does. All right. Signing was, off. Wait, wait, should we see the socials and stuff? Oh, snap. How does the movie yes. end also? We got to end wait, with that. Wait, but the socials for Follow us on insomniacfestival.com. Yes, and on Twitter at insomniac underscore fest. And we're behind you right now. Thank you to Ian Mills for the music and Emma Kudlak for the art. Thanks, guys. Boom, boom. And they end the movie with a handshake. And also, he always drops the microphone in the same way. You guys notice that? Like he like <laughs> runs a little and then yeah. like throws it down. If Wait, I had a mic, hand- I'd do that. What was the handshake at the end? Who's, who's handshakes? Um, Dave Chappelle gave someone a like it daps them up right at the end of the movie. I don't remember what happened. Why do I not remember this at all? There's... Not eight forty six. I believe you, but I I don't remember this. There's the Fuji song. What do you guys remember? Oh, it, no. oh, oh, it's with um, the teacher, right? Possibly. Because he tells I don't remember. Like, I just remember that. The best imagery. professional day of my life. Yeah, he's like, this is the best day of my career. But, and then, then, the but then in the credits, he's messing around with, with Yes and Bay again, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Yes. Is he, oh, I think yeah. he's doing the, is he doing the James Brown thing at the end? The hit me thing? Oh, yeah. So is that at the end? Oh. I don't know. I don't think it's right. I'm not sure. I'm just going to give you guys a handshake. Okay. <laughs> hey, this episode was the best professional day of my career. Oh, my gosh. Same here. <laughs> okay, bye.